Our first reading is from the book of Micah. And if you'd like to follow us in your uh, parish Bibles, it's on page 933. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his people return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from Hebrews, and if you'd like to follow this, you'll find it in your Bible on page 1208, chapter 10, verse 5. When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First, he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. At that time... Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. 
This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, we saw earlier, didn't we, we saw some uh, scientists celebrating wildly their achievement to successfully get the Mars Curiosity rover safely down onto the, the surface of the planet. I wonder what it would take to get you or us to celebrate wildly, to leap around and dance for joy and hug each other. <laughs> Reading Football Club winning the Premier League? <laughs> or maybe we should aim a bit lower. How about avoiding relegation? <laughs> That's not fair, is it? But anyway, I don't know what it would be for you. But let's turn to our Gospel reading on page 1026 of the Church Bibles, where we'll see another kind of celebration. And by the way, one or two of you have asked me recently um, why, we have, why we're handing out Church Bibles before the service. And, and you might have missed me explaining this before, so I'll just explain it again briefly. The reason is simply this, that Scripture is life-giving. The Bible is the most important piece of literature in the world. And the better we get to know our way around it and make it part of our lives, the better we will know God and understand his promises of salvation in Jesus Christ. And what's more, having the book in our hands means that we can also see the context at a glance. So if you take, for example, our gospel reading this morning, um, Mary meeting Elizabeth, comes just after the angel Gabriel um, comes to Mary and tells her that she's going to have a baby, and just before the birth of John the Baptist. And so we see the flow of the story where we have the book book in our hands, how it unfolds. Now, we are still printing the weekly readings in the service sheet, which maybe you would think is a bit of a double-up. But um, we might move away from that in the future um, to save paper and uh, as we get used to the Bibles. But uh, it's to help us to get to know Scripture better. So on we go. And what is the celebration that we see in this passage? Well, in the Bibles, you'll see that verses 46 to 56 are entitled Mary's Song. And of course, it's been known um, in the church for generations um, by the name the Magnificat, simply because that's what the opening line is in Latin. Um, it, It just means that. However, it hasn't always been sung with wild abandon in the church, but it's very likely that in the culture of Mary's day that she might indeed have danced and clapped as she sang this song. The great composer Johann Sebastian Bach put this um, song, Mary's song, to hugely rousing music and kettle drums beating out a rhythm, and uh, it, it might well have been that kind of context that she sang it. And I think this passage... And this song brings out some great insights into Mary's attitude to life and faith, which is still powerful for us today in our Christian lives. So, let's ask the question first. Why is Mary celebrating? Because quite honestly, isn't it a bit early to be celebrating? A lot of mothers-to-be today tend to wait until they're well over the sort of 12-week deadline into their pregnancy before announcing it because of the much higher risk in those first few weeks of miscarrying and losing the baby. In Mary's day, things were a whole lot more risky than that. Miscarriages were very common. Death in pregnancy was very common. Death in childbirth was extremely common for both mother and child. 
Infant mortality was very high. Having children was a very high-risk business in Mary's day. So isn't her celebration a little bit premature? What can we learn from that? Firstly, what we learn is that Mary believes God. She believes God. You see, what's happened earlier on in the chapter from verse 26 onwards is that she's had a visit from the angel Gabriel, who tells her that she's going to conceive a child. And the angel describes to her a kind of vision of of how this child will grow up and what he's going to be. So from verse 32, he said, It's the Son of the Most High, um, and God will give him the throne of his father David, and his kingdom will never end. And later on, he will be called Son of God. This is the picture the angel paints to Mary of who her baby will one day be. And it's fantastical. It's completely unbelievable. And Mary isn't stupid, and so she asks, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel tells her that God's Holy Spirit will conceive the child within her. And then, just to add the impossible to the incredible, or the incredible to the impossible, the angel says, oh yes, and by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, who, by the way, is way past childbearing age, is going to have a baby as well. And Mary has a choice. Does she simply dismiss this outrageous news as impossible nonsense, or does she choose to believe it? And the conversation finishes with Mary deciding to put her trust in the God she has worshipped since she was a little child. And she says to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. She believes the vision of the future son of God that she's been given, and she puts her trust in God. That's the first thing. The second thing she does is that she anticipates the whole thing coming true. She lives out her life anticipating the whole thing coming true. She acts on what she's been told. And so she takes the first step of faith by going to visit her cousin Elizabeth. That's what our our, um, gospel reading is about this morning. And so she travels to, to her cousin and is rewarded by finding a pregnant Elizabeth, who, before Mary can say anything, reinforces what the angel has said to Mary by shouting out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And secondly... She then breaks into this spontaneous praise that we call Mary's song, the Magnificat. And she starts to glorify God. Um, um, And in other words, so she not only believes what God has told her via the angel, but she now anticipates that it will indeed all come true by how she lives and talks and breathes and so on. Her attitude is, if God has said this will come true, then forget the infant mortality rate and the death in pregnancy, whatever it is, um, I'm going to believe him that this is going to happen. That's the second thing. And the third thing she does is that she commits to that vision, no matter what lies ahead. We don't hear an enormous amount about Mary after the birth of Jesus, but what we do read about her tells of her faithfulness and her quiet resolve in the face of some quite difficult circumstances. I mean, after what must have been a very dangerous journey to Bethlehem for a pregnant woman on on a donkey taking days and giving birth in a stable, she and Joseph take the baby Jesus to the temple to be circumcised. This happens in chapter 2, where they meet the old man Simeon in the temple. 
And he prophesies that Jesus will cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, that he will be spoken against, and that his mother's soul will be pierced. It's a prediction of the emotional agony that Mary will go through some 33 years later when Jesus is nailed to the cross. And through all those years, even though she didn't always understand what Jesus was doing or every word that he spoke, she followed him, supported him and trusted God that his promises would come true. She gave her life to that vision, the one that she'd been given by the angel. And Mary's attitude, I think, is a fantastic model for the life of faith and even for the life of just living out our own lives. I was reflecting on a time when I was in business. Um, It was one of my brighter moments, actually. And I'd just been promoted to the UK regional manager position for a company making industrial control systems. And as in all businesses, the pressure was on, grow the business. You've got to grow the business. And I knew that one geographical area that we were particularly weak was in Scotland. And we had one or two systems there, but our competitors had a huge market share. And the general belief was, it's a waste of time trying to compete in that territory. But I had a really strong feeling that we should make Scotland a target market. And we visited some, um, some customers. I, I had a great, um, a, a really good sales manager in the north of England who was up for it. And, uh, and so we, we made a decision and decided to believe that we would be able to do some business in Scotland. And that was the first thing. And then we began to act like a company that was really serious about doing business in Scotland. So when we visited customers, we talked a new language that anticipated um, the future when we would have a strong business there. I flew to Scotland every fortnight um, or drove up with Jim, my sales manager, and visited and called on all these industrial plants month after month and built relationships. Within a year or two, we had replaced our first major competitive system and got some business we began to see the fruit of our labour. And when that happened, boy, did we rejoice. We made Mary's song look tame. I think we had a few pints as well. But it was only, it was only one system, but we really rejoiced and celebrated. And once started, we had to commit to stick with it. And although it wasn't always easy, in a few years' time, we had built up a significant market share in Scotland, and we became a credible supplier in that area. Now, I'm not suggesting for a minute that our vision of doing business in Scotland was heaven-sent, although it might have been. But the example Mary gives us is a great model for the life of faith. If we think about this in the context, perhaps, of St. Matthew's Church here in Southcote, last January, the PCC and staff got together for a day away at Dowie Abbey to pray and discuss and reflect about what St. Matthew's might look like in the year 2020. We called it our 2020 vision. And what it looked like was a really thriving community church of some 300 plus members, which was both serving and transforming the communities within the parish in a whole variety of ways, helping struggling families, befriending the elderly, bringing up a new generation of believers, um, helping people back to work and off benefits, uh, bringing people, crucially, bringing people into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, seeing them come to faith. And that was a big vision. But we are believing God for the journey ahead. 
Um, this time last year, our Sunday school, if you like, was six children, basically, this time last year. Today, it's anywhere between 20 and 40 children. I think at the Christmas party last week, it was 42 children attended it. And so we've got a new generation of children beginning now to grow up um, in the faith, learning about God, learning about Jesus, which is wonderful. And Kirsty and I have been really delighted with, we've, we've had some a whole, whole lot of Christmas cards. Thank you for any Christmas cards you've given us. But there's been some really encouraging Christmas cards, which, and I think many of them are, are not really so much sent, well, they are sent to Kirsty and I, but, but they're sent to the church, really, to St. Matthew's, if you like. And cards like that end up at the vicarage. And I'll just read you a couple of excerpts. Um, here's one where someone simply says, thank you for all St. Matthew's is doing for the kingdom and the people of Southcote. Which is great, isn't it? And here's another one. Thank you for all your... Uh, thank you, thanks to St. Matthews for all your support this year. Southcote is very lucky to have St. Matthews at the heart of the community. Which is great, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful to hear things like that? And that's really, really encouraging. And so we, we want to celebrate this Christmas. We should celebrate what God is doing here. That's one of the reasons we had a Christmas party last week, to, uh, to celebrate God's goodness and faithful to us and to say thank you to all of you for all of the immense amount of time and prayer and money and gifts and skills and all of the things that you have put in to uh, take us so far on the journey. And I'm really excited about what the future holds in 2013 and beyond. And this January, the leadership team is getting together again at Dowie Abbey. And, th- and we're going to focus this time on how we can anticipate growing our adult numbers over the next couple of years significantly. Because if we want to reach our 2020 vision, which is only, well, seven years away, it's quite a bit of time, but time goes quite quickly. Um, if we want to reach our 2020 vision, then we need to be asking ourselves, what would a church of, say, 150 adults and 50 children look like in couple of years' time, two or three years' time, and start to think about what we need to be to be that church and anticipate it, just as Mary anticipated the birth of Jesus in that wonderful song of praise. And that will mean, inevitably, that will mean changing some things and doing some new things. And that's what we're going to be meeting and discussing and praying about. And of course, not forgetting the important business of celebrating the victories along the way. And that might mean some new things for, some, for individuals as well as us as a church family. I'm sure that there are some people here this morning who recently God has probably been putting a, a new call on your lives. You feel called into something new, perhaps serving in a different way, um, doing something differently, just as he did on Mary's. It may not be quite what you expected, but maybe there's a growing sense that God is calling you in a, in a specific area or a specific direction. And the question that this passage asks of us, the questions are these. Will we, like Mary, believe God for that vision? Will we, like Mary, begin to live out that calling in anticipation of its fulfilment? And will we, like Mary, Stick to it through the uncertain times, 
but also celebrating the victories along the way. I think in this passage, Mary shows us the way of faith and invites us to join her on the journey. Amen.